Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a nutritionist, and I'm a competitive bodybuilder. Hello, Rob Fortress-Fortney here, uh, editor, journalist, former competitive bodybuilder, and powerlifter. And this is the highly stimulated Phil Stevens. I'm a strength athlete, powerlifting, Highland Games, founder of LipperHope.org and StrengthGuild.com. Awesome. And with us today, we have Rick Collins. Uh, Rick is actually someone who we can really um, sort of sink our teeth into an issue that we haven't touched on heavily in the past, and that's the issue of anabolic steroids. Sometimes we'll sort of jokingly say the S word and things like that because it's so taboo. But uh, what we've done is, you know, we figured, well, let's let's get someone who's an expert on steroids and the law. And Rick really fits that bill. And I'm, I'm just going to let you, Rick, talk a little bit about yourself. Usually we start off with people discussing their, their origins. Uh, okay. So uh, how did you get involved with resistance training or interest in bodybuilding or, or whatever your strength sport interest is? Okay, well, uh, hello, guys. Uh, it's good to be on the show. I thank you for, uh, for having me as a, uh, as a guest. Um, my background is, uh, I guess, be- before I went to law school and um, and became a lawyer, um, I was uh, I was a bodybuilder, and um, I came out of that uh, that Long Island bodybuilding culture in the in the mid to late 1970s, uh, where Steve Mahalik, oh yeah, if you, uh, if you remember him, uh, he had a gym out here uh, on Long Island and. Guys like Harold Poole and a number of the other, the uh, Freddie Ortiz. I mean, we're going way back in the 70s. And I was a kid uh, growing up on Long Island and in Queens, and um, started training at some of the gyms here uh, on the island. Um, competed as a bodybuilder in uh, in college, and uh, and loved it and enjoyed it, and was uh, a gym rat uh, from that point on, and uh, and worked even as a personal trainer. And uh, a health club instructor through college, uh, as well as a bouncer and a, and a nursing home orderly. I, I wore a lot of hats um, working my way through, and um, and uh, and kind of then uh, became a lawyer. Uh, went to law school um, here on Long Island uh, at Hofstra. Um, was uh, was fortunate enough uh, as a kid who who didn't come from uh, from um, you know any kind of. Um, Wealthy background. Um, I, was, I was lucky enough to get a, a full scholarship to law school and um, and, and rode that out and, and became a um, a prosecutor in the uh, local DA's office, uh, prosecuting the the bad guys, putting the bad guys in jail for all sorts of uh, crimes, uh, violent crimes and uh, robberies and burglaries and and even serious uh, drug felonies and things like that. Then went into private practice. I've been in. Private practice since uh, 1990 with um, two great partners in a law firm called Collins McDonald and Gann here on Long Island. We've got a, a bunch of great associates, and we do um, we do criminal defense work and uh, regulatory work in the sports nutrition industry, and um, and and it's a uh, it's a great uh, it's a great gig from my perspective because I was kind of able to 
bring together the the two things in my life that, uh, well, two other things in my life that meant a lot to me, which was sort of the, the fitness angle and the legal angle. And um, most of my practice now is related to health and fitness. Um, I represent um, uh, the International Society of Sports Nutrition, um, Joey and Doug and, and all the guys at ISSN um, from an organizational standpoint. And um, I do the legal work for the IFBB, um, for pro bodybuilding division, and um, and I've got lots of clients uh, who are bodybuilders or fitness people, um, and I represent a lot of them on criminal defense type issues of all kinds. But like you you mentioned, a lot of my practice is dedicated to kind of where extreme health and fitness meets criminal or regulatory law. So it's uh, yeah. it's very often involving performance enhancing substances of different kinds, whether they're steroids or uh, other types of uh, bodybuilding-related drugs or, or fat-burning substances that the government may uh, not like very much. Mm-hmm. And um, and we do a lot of work in, in the regulatory section as well and represent a lot of companies in the sports nutrition industry, uh, both on day-to-day stuff, um, you know, contractual work and things along those lines, uh, labeling and, and trademark issues. But also, um, when uh, some of those companies do have some problems, I'm, I'm sort of the go-to guy on that. So it's great because uh, for for me, it's um, you know, as a kid, like I said, growing up and and um, uh, being immersed in the bodybuilding culture at a very young age, um, I uh, you know, I looked up to guys like uh, like Arnold and and Stallone and and all these guys who were in great shape and. Through the, the course of my practice and what I do in, in recent years, I've had the opportunity to to sit down with uh, with Arnold in his office in Santa Monica, um, and just just an incredible experience. And I've got to meet uh, and share a stage with uh, Sylvester Stallone, uh, the original Rocky. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that for yeah. wow. for a kid who who comes from that culture. So I'm very very grateful. I feel very very blessed, and um, you know I I, uh, I I love what I do. That's awesome. I'll tell you, going way back to your early days, you mentioned Steve Mihalik and, and, you know, crowds like that. I mean, that, weren't they really known for like just crazy intensity, you know, yeah. kinds of super hardcore training? Yeah, they, they were, they were wild. I mean, Mihalik was, uh, was super hardcore. He and a, a guy named John Defendus and, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. a few other guys who, who trained back then, Andy Lopadote and, um, they were they were super intense. I think Mahalik's uh, was trademark uh, insanity workouts were like you know forty sets with no rest for every body part and you know and, and until you threw up uh, you know you weren't really training hard enough kind of thing. Right. Was the stories uh, true about apparently there was a roped off session at the gym? He I was just going to say that, Rob. <laughs> you know, I, I trained there intermittently through the years. I, I competed out of a a gym called um, Valencia Health Club in Elmont okay. um, with a guy named Eddie Perez, who's, who's still in the business, and um, Sam Velez and, and some other great guys. But, um, yeah, I mean, there there was certainly a section of, uh, of Mahalik's gym uh, when I was there that uh, if he was training in that area, you, you didn't want to disturb him. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate enough now to train at, I, I think, the most hardcore gym, certainly on Long Island, and, and one of the most hardcore gyms, I think, on the East Coast, if not in the country, which is Bev's Gym. 
Okay. And, um, yeah. You know, Steve Weinberger uh, runs that gym, and I, I see Steve every night that I'm there, and and um, and Bev as well. And, and obviously, for for the listeners who don't know, Bev Bev Francis was um, certainly a um, a very very uh, esteemed bodybuilder in her day. Yeah, and powerlifter. That's right, out of Australia. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, she of course is uh, was one of the focal points of the Pumping Iron Two sequel. Mm-hmm. Her and Major, uh, yeah. Rachel McLeish. So yeah, that was the battle between the, the sort of the the two developing uh, body types. Uh, yeah. As yeah. women's bodybuilding was kind of emerging, and we we're figuring out, you know, how how muscular should a woman be? Right. Yeah. 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 Hey, that's actually a nice segue, Rob. Uh, I wanted to ask Rick about his involvement in Bigger, Stronger, Faster. I've actually I've got a couple of uh, friends who are doc students, and uh, one of our contributors, uh, John Mike, he's always trying to get me to watch it and i honestly have to admit i i haven't seen it so but i i feel like i'm like the only person who hasn't so maybe just if, if you could talk a little bit about that well i was uh i was um you know uh grateful to be a part of that film it's a it's a great great documentary um for for anybody who hasn't seen it uh you can you can easily access it from netflix either as a dvd or you could just download it and watch it on your computer it's uh, 2008 film um that uh got acclaim at sundance film festival i actually um chris bell who's the director uh myself and john romano uh john was uh, john and i were sort of the two consultants on the film for sort of some of the the, the steroid related issues um and so kind of putting together the the um the content of the film in some ways and um john and Chris and I went out to Sundance and uh, and screened the film in front of uh, live audiences, and it was just a great experience to be out there. Um, the the movie is is truly a great documentary. Um, for uh, even today, when when I sometimes go to a strange gym, people come up to me and say, "Didn't I see you in that movie, Bigger, Stronger, Faster?" I mean, it's amazing how many people have seen it. Even in high school. Students um, apparently are, are sometimes um, shown the film as part of the their, their class curricula, which yeah. is uh, which is very cool. And it's um, what makes it so great, I think, is that it's it's certainly a documentary about steroids and um, and performance enhancing drugs in American society, culture, um, sports, law, medicine. Um, it really kind of looks at sort of the broad picture of performance enhancement through drugs um, in uh, in history and, and today. But it's also a, a family story, and the director and his two brothers um, and their own use and, and relationship with performance enhancing drugs is, is sort of a, a focal point of the movie. So it's a family story, and their parents are in the movie. And so it's it's got a a, uh, a heart to it and a, and a narrative to it that uh, makes it more than just sort of a you know a dry you know presentation of of steroids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everybody who is anybody in the steroid game has some role uh, or part in this movie, and it, it really brings together opposing views you've you've got you know everybody from you know ben johnson to harrison pope to you know almost anybody who has written about or been involved with the you know the use or or research of of anabolic steroids and performance drugs is in it and um i was able to uh be part of it both as a consultant and to to actually appear on on camera um and, and talk about 
the legal aspects of, of steroid use and steroids in general. Very and cool. um, it, it's really a, it's a it's a great movie, Lonnie, and I, I recommend it highly that you see it. It really it's a it's a balanced movie. It, it it doesn't it's not preachy. It doesn't say steroids are good. It doesn't say steroids are bad. Um, it, it's kind of nuanced, and certainly there are situations where steroids can be very bad. Um, but certainly they're used in medicine, and so there are situations that they can be very good. And, and the movie really doesn't dumb it down for the audience. It allows you to draw your own conclusions. See, now that's refreshing, right? It's great, it, right? It's, yeah, instead of sort of an after-school special, shame on you, just say no kind of message, <laughs> which doesn't really take root very well, right? No. Yeah. Years ago there was an after-school special with Ben Affleck. Uh, about steroids. Have any of you guys uh, ever oh, seen yeah. that? No, but I, I must see that now. It's hilarious. It, it's <laughs> it's he, he takes some, <laughs> some steroids, as I recall, he takes some steroids out of a bottle and goes into this insane void rage uh, immediately almost upon consuming yeah. them and, and <laughs> trashes his room and is screaming and crying and rolling on the ground. And oh, yeah, uh, boy. It, it's quite a depiction. Uh, not, not his finest moment, but that Fantastic. Way. No, I rented that uh, movie, Beer Stronger Faster, when it came out, and... Uh, I concur. It's, it's it really is a good movie. I mean, there's lots of there's lots of uh, you know uh, topic there for discussion amongst people who you know have a clue about those things, and, and that's what I liked about it actually um, is the fact that it can certainly trigger a lot of uh, discussion amongst people who have a clue, you know, because it, it does present a lot of different sides, and uh, like you say, it doesn't really take one particular side. It kind of you know comes at it from a lot of different angles. So whether you agree with people's opinions or not, certainly a lot of the opinions that are expressed are certainly from people that, you know, um, have been around and, you know, certainly have an idea of what's going on. I think that's so necessary, too, because I think the the misinformation is sort of true on both sides. You know, on one side, you've got the extremely conservative people that are going to put out something like that Affleck movie. Uh, and on the uh, on the flip side, you've got young guys who, you know, they tend to attribute everything to anabolic steroids. Like, you know, they think they're going to look like the, a guy on a cover of a magazine in six weeks if they just decide to experiment or something. You know what I mean? They, they just have no idea about some of the realities right. uh, behind it. You know, like, you know, like there's an element of hard work involved and, and things like that. And, you know, so, yeah, I, I think there's just education needed all across the board. So now I'm feeling really stupid. i got to go see it. Yeah, it, 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 it's great. I mean, just to give you, I mean, it, it certainly covers all of those issues and um, uh, and also provokes uh, questions of, of, of kind of comparing stories to lots of other things. Um, there's, For one example, there's a segment of the movie where um, they, they look at um, concert um, performers for um, orchestral performers. And, uh, for example, classical violinists. And before they go for auditions, they will, um, some of them will take beta blockers, which will have wow. an effect to calm their nerves and yeah. give them a performance advantage over those who don't take the beta blockers in the audition process, which is yeah. the make or break of whether you get the gig or not. Actually, you know, Rick, on the, the sort of the flip side of that, I don't know if any of you saw the play called Proof. Uh, but the dean at one of the universities I used to work at, his son actually, you know, won literary awards for it. But proof is about middle-aged mathematicians who use amphetamines to speed right. up their thinking so they can continue to be as productive or even more productive than when they were in their 20s. 
it, you know, because they have all the education and the knowledge, but they need that clarity and that speed of thought. Uh, so here we have mathematicians even doing that, you know, sort of like I said, that's, that would be the opposite of a beta blocker in a sense. Absolutely. But, and so the but, question you know, yeah, what is performance enhancement and, and when is it an unfair advantage versus uh, an acceptable advantage? Yeah. Right. Well, I'll tell you. Rob, I just wanted to say before I forget, yeah. my, my son actually, we were listening to something, uh, one of the, you know, um, something that's in the news currently, and the, uh, I don't know, the journalist or whoever it was was saying, oh, you know, it was suspected that this man was using anabolic steroids to continue to perform well into his 40s. And my son, who is 15, and he's very smart, he's a gifted guy, he said, he said, Dad, what's, bad about that i mean very you know naively and openly right. he's like you know if he could continue to do what he loves to do and people like to watch him and and you know if he's not you know really hurting himself i don't understand what's unethical about this guy continuing to perform into his 40s and i thought wow that's very astute you know so we had yeah. a little discussion about sort of the ethics of this and i think he started to appreciate how gray it can really become you know yeah. Well, no, I mean, it, it, just to further what um, our guest was saying about, you know, the, the beta blockers and so forth, I, I saw a whole uh, feature on that a couple of years ago as well. And, you know, even for somebody like me who's so well aware of just the different, you know, types, I mean, it, to the average person, you know, when you say performance enhancing drugs or, you know, something in sport, they first go to, to steroids. They, they have no idea. They think every, every class of performance enhancing drugs falls under just, you know, one category. Yeah, and right. and the interesting thing, even for me, when I saw that beta blocks, I'm thinking, I'm like, I remember thinking to myself, God, I mean, it's just, it's in everything. I mean, I remember even thinking about the Olympics, and they were talking about the, the guys, the triathletes or so forth, who, you know, who do the shooting and stuff between, and they they take certain drugs to slow their heart rate down between between shots because you know they get their out. Heart rates elevated at one right. point, you know, and then then when they go to do that, their heart rates going fast, and they want to bring it down fast, and it really is for our listeners, you know, I mean, just the huge variety of what could be considered performance enhancing drugs or anything that could aid in so many multitudes of ways like Lonnie's saying even even for people who are just looking for you know uh, mind performing enhancing enhancing it's just uh you know it, it invades every kind of aspect of society really so you know when when I always hear people always just chastising a very select niche of you know muscle builders or so forth it, it, it kind of pisses me off Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm so damn good that my clients, you know, I should be illegal because I'm such an enhancement. Um, but that's a whole different topic. No. Dude, <laughs> Phil, you're well, way too stimulated right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've got to unstimulate them a little bit. You know, uh, it, it, it's funny, um, you know, that this brings up, I, I just, I write a, a monthly column for Muscular Development Magazine, and I've, I've been writing for Steve Blackman for it's actually my tenth year. I may be the longest-running columnist in in MD, but um, and, and and he really gives me free reign to kind of write about uh, any issues that, whether they're social or legal or cultural issues that pertain to bodybuilders and in the bodybuilding community. And um, I just submitted my column for the issue that's going to come out uh, in late September on a movie that I just saw, which was uh, the Captain America movie. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet. Yeah, I just saw familiar. it. Okay. I mean, it's. Uh, I was familiar with the character from when I was a kid in the comic books, obviously. And, um, you know, it, 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 when you look at it, it's um, it, it's an interesting thing because Captain America is not a, uh, 
a hero from another planet or somebody who um, was was born with some sort of you know freak genetic mutations. I mean, this the, the character of Steve Rogers is this skinny, scrawny, puny, sickly kid who is you know in such bad shape that he is rejected time and time again from entering the army in 1940 when of course you know Hitler was um, was terrorizing Europe and and uh, America was on the cusp of getting stepping in and getting involved in World War II and the the character was essentially written as a as a consciously political patriotic kind of um, uh, stimulator if we'll continue with that word for uh, for those who who were you know very pro America and, and and wanted sort of a um, you know a a character that represented American patriotism at its best, but um, but Steve Rogers gets rejected from the army until finally he gets an opportunity to uh, meet with this these these guys in a special top secret developmental program in the army that has developed this serum this super secret special serum right. that they can inject into you. Right, injection. Then, right, yeah. He then submits to these injections of the serum, which transform him from a skinny kid into this super jacked, muscular hero, purely through the injections of the serum. Now, this was 1940 that the character was written, and testosterone the was only discovered uh, in terms of its its synthesis in 1935 mm-hmm. so when you think about what the what the probable um, you know uh, basis for yeah. the serum was i mean it, it certainly yeah. uh, no coincidence that five years earlier is when testosterone was was just being developed, researched, and, and ultimately some claim given to some of the Nazi troops to make them stronger and, and more effective soldiers. But you know the, the whole the, the point that Captain America is celebrated for yeah. Yeah. his use of the serum um, and the you know the technology that allowed him to become the superhero purely through injections compared to the way we look at Barry Bonds or Lance Armstrong or anybody else who allegedly may have used, you know, a a serum, Mm -hmm. so to speak. I mean... Double standard, right? I mean, what kind of bizarre double standard is it? We're (laughs) celebrating it on one side, and at the same time... We're wagging shame on you fingers with the other hand, you know? and and like 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 you said earlier, Lonnie. I mean, and the fact remains is that the thing that bugs me about the whole Mister America thing is the whole idea that this guy didn't. I mean, at least if you're if you're against steroids, you have to, you know, in sport and so forth. If you have any degree of knowledge, you have to at least acknowledge, as you were saying at the beginning of the show, that. You know, these athletes, powerlifters, bodybuilders, whatever. I mean, baseball players. They certainly have to, you know. Train. Engage in some sort of training and discipline yeah. for a number of years to arrive at, you know, it can't be just <laughs> right. through the use of, but, you know, the whole premise of Mr. America is just, this guy didn't earn it one bit. Right. You know, he, yeah. he, he yeah. just took a shot and he didn't have he to didn't train. He didn't even train. He and it was okay. Weights was not even necessary. He didn't follow right. any particular diet. Uh, he didn't need good nutrition. He, all he needed was the juice injected yeah. into him. And, and yeah. I think that it is important, to, and that's a great point to make, especially for any listeners who are not as familiar with, you know, uh, the topic, and, and that is that, 
you know, obviously this is this is not a magic bullet. There there is no performance enhancing drug, whether it's growth hormone or or steroids or or anything else that is going to work uh, for real life people the way the serum works for Captain America. I mean, um, there's an enormous amount of hard work involved and um, uh, and and training and diet and all the other factors that go into it. And, and if steroids play a role, it's it's one of many factors and. There's lots of reasons that um, particularly younger people should not turn to steroids, and, and we could certainly talk about them, and I've written about them, and you can find that information um, on, on some of my websites, uh, steroidlaw.com, for example. Um, but, but, yeah, there is a tremendous amount of hard work, and, and for those who, who don't really you know all that much about even you know, the, what we're talking about in terms of steroids, I mean, steroids are simply variations of the basic male hormone testosterone. They're synthetic versions of testosterone that are available in either pills or or liquid injections, and um, they um, they kind of uh, uh, boost those levels of testosterone higher than your own natural testosterone or androgen levels would be, and that that gives a muscle uh, an increased uh, protein synthesis and increased muscle building. Um, but of course, you know, uh, no drug is without side effects. So, um, like you were saying before, you know, there's certainly there are those who come out and say steroids will kill you. They'll, you know, you take a, a pill of steroids and you'll be dead in an hour. I mean, that's that's a lot of nonsense. On the other hand, the you know uh, people who will glorify and say, well, these these are just tremendously great drugs for anybody, and uh, anybody can take them, and there are no side effects. I mean. You know, there are side effects. To, there is no drug that, that doesn't have side effects. Every single drug has the potential for side effects, and steroids do as well. It's that's actually, you know, Rick, drugs. that's an interesting point because I, uh, when I teach a class like medical aspects of exercise, we talk about the uh, <clears throat> anabolic drugs and, you know, steroids issue, and not just steroids, so of course, not just androgens, but, uh, yeah, and it's amazing the students come into that class with sort of, you know, strong opinions that are based on <laughs> almost nothing, you know, right. what they've been told by the media, sort of. Uh, and they're very shocked when, in a very neutral way, I say, as a class of drugs, you know, many anabolic steroids, I mean, there's many different kinds, but uh, and some are more toxic than others, let's say, but as a class, they're relatively low in toxicity compared to certain other classes of drugs. That's and, and I think it shocks them, and they don't want to hear that sometimes. You know, but yeah. again, we have to base this on science and neutrality. So, well, not yeah. not to mention the fact that and this this has always been a kind of a personal um, problem with me. That I've every who knows me has heard me over the years talk about is the whole you know ridiculousness of society. I mean, you know, what is legal and what is not legal. You know, and right. and how if you inject you use anabolic steroids to the greater good of you know your performance and your, your cho- chosen sport, that somehow puts you. You know, and I mean, and, and that's illegal, and that's this, and that's unethical, and all this other kind of horse crap. But meanwhile, anybody can go to the you know local liquor store, or whatever, get loaded up, beat their beat their wife up, you know, drive over the neighborhood dog, and <laughs> crash their car, and you know, and and piss people off. It, it's just amazing to me. And 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 like you say, I mean, kind of just going to what you're saying about Lonnie, about the whole people form opinions based on what other people have told them to think. You know, without actually thinking right. for themselves and realizing, right. like, there's a different. There, I mean, it's not. You know, what is legal and illegal is not always the same thing as what is ethical, non-ethical, or what is you know, practical. And I mean, so again, people need to, you know, 
before they just open their mouths, they need to think for a minute, you know, research a little bit and actually have a, you know, a platform to base an opinion on. And like you say, so many people base their opinions on, on essentially nothing. Right. You know, I actually used to bring a stack of articles into a class just to make a point. I did this when I was a grad student. I'm not quite as zealous now, but it was knee high. And I would ask everybody, you know, open questions like, are anabolic steroids bad? You know, all hands went up and, you know, and then I would say, tell me about, uh, you know, let's consider the source of your information, you know, because we're educated people. We're going to rely on evidence. Um, tell me about the source. Well, they just are. You know, or, oh, well, you know, I saw it on TV. Uh, and then I would bring this giant stack of papers. And again, it was literally knee deep. And I set it on the, on the, uh, the desk and I'd say, this is scientific evidence. And science doesn't prove anything either, but it certainly is highly probable. And this evidence shows that, uh, you know, what many of you have pointed out as side effects or some of the, the, the concerns are transient or manageable. Or sometimes not there, you know, in a, at least went from a risk to benefit, uh, kind of approach. And, and the benefits are, are never discussed, you know, it, it's only, only the risk. And, you know, about 10 years ago, I, I wrote a book called Legal Muscle that, um, was sort of a, an analysis of steroids in American law and culture. And, um, the, 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 the research that I did for the book and, and one of the kind of, you know, the, the starting off point for the book was, was kind of to look at steroids and, and what we are familiar with in terms of how the media presents them and to really learn, uh, I wanted to learn everything about them and, uh, and present, uh, you know, a, a fair and, and, and truthful picture. And, and ultimately, one of the most interesting things about the book for me was having researched steroids from A to Z uh, from a medical standpoint, and I and I, I went through that stack of papers that that you're talking about. Uh, from a legal standpoint, from a from a um, the way other countries treat steroids to the way America treats steroids, and um, and from a, um, a demographic standpoint, what I found was that the vast majority of what the average person knows, and I put knows in quotes about steroids is unfounded or just outright wrong. Yeah. And that, you know, if if I wonder if we looked at other controversial or provocative issues, whether they were dealing with economics or politics or international relations or anything else, and put that under the same microscope that, that I put steroids under for the purposes of writing legal muscle, I wonder whether we would find that the media and special interest groups and opportunistic politicians would distort the truth in a similar way and and that the result is basically a a populace that is misinformed. Right. Well, I'll tell you what. we we need to take a, a break here. We've gone over a little like we <laughs> like we've been lately. Let's take a quick break. Uh, we're with uh, lawyer uh, muscle lawyer, if you will, Rick Collins, who is shedding some light on some of the the legal uh, aspects and the ethical aspects of performance enhancing drugs. Uh, we're just going to take a short break. We're going to come back. I would like to uh, ask Rick about uh, a league of their own. It was a survey that might interest listeners. And uh, we'll get back on topic in just a moment. 
Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. <laughs> Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here, I do make a single-digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however. Obviously, I've done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what a, perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. Hello everybody, Phil Stevens here for ironradio.org, strengthguild.com, and chadakes.com to tell you about the Strength Refined Seminar with myself, Phil Stevens, and Chad Aches. Saturday, September 24, 2011, CrossFit Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada. Strength Refined is a one-day course in refining your technique and proficiency in the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. It's going to be a long day. We'll squat, we'll bench, we'll deadlift, we'll do a Q&A, and then we're going to go heavy and go eat. For more information, go to www.strengthguild.com, click on the blog, go to Meets and Seminars, click on the Strength Refined Seminar, and it's all there. Hope to see you there. And we're back. So we're talking with Rick Collins, who's uh, both a, a bodybuilder and uh, a lawyer, and he's giving us some information on uh, anabolic steroids and other performance enhancers. And one of the first things I wanted to touch on here in this topic of the day section of the show is 
um, a league of their own. Uh, Rick, you mentioned that survey in the past, and I wanted you to maybe just you know share that with listeners. Yeah, sure. Um, and you can find a link to uh, to that study on steroidlaw.com, uh, my website um, on performance uh, drugs and, and the law. And uh, that uh, that was a League of Their Own was a um, survey that we did, an internet-based research survey that uh, myself and uh, three other um, very great and bright guys, Dr. Dan Gartney, uh, Jack Darkus, and um, and Jay Cohen, uh, put together. To uh, to really do the, the what, what we could uh, essentially the largest um, survey of adult steroid use ever conducted, and we had 2,000 steroid users who responded um, to mm. our survey uh, to kind of really get a sense of who's using steroids, how much are they using, what are they using, um, what's going on in in, in the world of um, of steroid use, um, and uh, having been a writer for a number of years. Um, for uh, the magazines, um, I think that uh, you know, my name being attached to it um, gave some level of credibility and trust, and so we we were uh, elated to find that uh, we had such a large response. And um, we we published the sort of the the survey results and, and our own um, editorial about it um, in in that document, a league of their own, um, and. Um, the, the, the important, I think, and, and significant things out of the survey were, were essentially that uh, the face that the media gives to steroids, which is almost always twofold, that steroid users are teenagers, misguided, you know, teenagers who are abusing these drugs to their, you know, detriment, or cheating competitive athletes at the elite level, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, um, the high-level uh, cheaters. Uh, essentially, if you, if you, did a Google search of, of steroids and, and, um, and news stories, you'd see that virtually everything that the mainstream media puts out about steroids falls into one of those two categories. It's some, some kid who uh, used steroids and then, for whatever reasons, uh, having to do with steroids or having nothing whatsoever to do with steroids, takes his own life or something along those lines, uh, or the, you know, the elite athlete who tests positive and, um, and now there's a big problem. And, and the reality is vast majority of people in America who are using anabolic steroids are neither teenagers nor uh, competitive athletes. The vast majority of steroid users in America are adult cosmetic users, guys who are working um, nine-to-five jobs, guys who are training in gyms, who don't compete in anything, uh, even in bodybuilding contests, but are using steroids purely for their own aesthetic um, ideas of looking better when they take off a shirt on the beach or uh, looking better, um, you know, uh, uh, on their next trip to Cancun. Now, Rick, is this yep. even even educated and professional guys? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, uh, amazingly, um, the the average steroid user is uh, above average both in terms of education. And income uh, from from American norms. So the even the idea of an uneducated or, or stupid meathead uh, being the the typical steroid user is also not correct. Interesting. You yeah. know, and, and and we talked a little bit before about sort of the arbitrariness of of the laws of of what's permissible and what's not permissible. Um, and and when we talk about the cosmetic steroid use. 
it really is uh, a, a, an interesting issue because uh, what's really the difference between a male who's 35 or 40 years old making a decision that he wants to have uh, a bigger chest and and or bigger arms and look better because he's just gone through a divorce or for whatever reason and 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 wants to feel better about himself if he tries to use anabolic steroids by going to a doctor and saying doc you know i would like to be prescribed these medications under your supervision for the purposes of looking better the doctor would say that's a felony for me to prescribe to you i right. can't do that okay you got to go to the black market if now that's rick b- before before the anabolic steroids control act doctors were doing a bit of that though right like monitoring people who yeah. asked yeah. for the help is that right? Yeah, I mean, medications can be prescribed off-label, um, and um, back in in the 80s, there there was some of that certainly. In 1990, the law changed, and steroids, uh, testosterone, and and all synthetic variations that were listed were made into controlled substances, and it was um, it was illegal for a doctor to prescribe or dispense them for other than a valid medical purpose. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of cosmetic use went, went out the window when Congress changed the law. And the, the irony, of course, is that the law was changed you know, primarily because of allegations of cheating in sports, you know, because of, of ball players or uh, track and field athletes who were getting an unfair, quote-unquote, unfair advantage over other competitors. Um, but yet, you know, those people have never really been arrested uh, in any in any really large measure over the years, uh, the people who have been arrested for steroids have typically been the cosmetic users that I'm that I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, and so these guys are the guys who are sent to the black market. But yet, if you're if you're a woman who wants to who is going through a similar divorce and has a similar body image issue and says, you know what, Doc, I want to feel better about myself. I want my chest to be bigger. I'd like to get breast implants, or I'd like to get calf implants, or I'd like to have liposuction, or any other cosmetic surgery uh, procedure, which obviously in surgery in, in arguably presents even more risks than uh, a medication because you have general anesthesia and infection and all these other things. All of those things are legal. It's perfectly legal for a guy to get calf implants or pec implants or bicep implants or delt implants uh, if he wants them, but he absolutely can't be injected with a steroid for the same cosmetic purpose without going to jail. Interesting, yeah. Not, not t- to mention the fact that, sorry, I mean, the whole idea of, I mean, the birth control pill is a steroid. You know, and not, the, yeah, not an anabolic one, but certainly not, it is a steroid. Not an sure. anabolic one, sure, but, I mean, the whole idea that, you know, like, you know, one class of, of, of you know, <laughs> hormones, steroids, yep. is, is perfectly legal. And they're both sex steroids as well. Right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. you know, th- there's no... You know, negative kind of connotation or um, outside of bodybuilding and kind of hyper masculinity circles, but you know the whole idea of estrogen and so forth. Nobody kind of bats an eye, but as soon as you know the general public hears testosterone, like you say, right? They think of the character that you're talking to about, you know, the Ben Affleck character, right? Where you know he he, he dumps a, a pill down his gullet, and all of a sudden he's you know he's smashing his head through walls right. and, and punching his grandma. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 That's amazing. Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, th- I think it's worth mentioning, too. I mean, you know, on the the topic of implants and this and that, various other cosmetic adjustments to your body, um, you know, your body has no clue what a big bag of silicone is. But, right. you know, you're, 
you already have testosterone in you. Um, yeah. You know, you're you're not entering a foreign substance, a totally foreign substance of the body. Um, sure, you might be doing it in a way that's that's more than more than it's used to, but at least right. it's something. You know, it's it's not like I'm ingesting gasoline. Right. You know, there's a difference between just ingesting gasoline and sugar. You know, I mean, it's you know a big bag of silicone, and that could be. Potentially as dangerous or more dangerous. Yeah, I think that's what Rick was saying. And I'll tell you what, Phil, since you're you're talking about that now, one thing that um, that Rick was mentioning was that most um, arrests, uh, if you will, are for the cosmetic users. Now, Phil, you mentioned something about how the NBA goes about it. What was it that you heard about how you know uh, professional athletes are actually tested? Well, I mean, basically dealing with it, Rick, you can probably. You'd know more about this than me, but I mean, essentially, from from what I've seen dealing with clients and this and that at, at the pro level, the the federations they they don't want to catch the athletes. Um, you know, I think it was the NBA. I forget the contractual deal totally, but once you were passed, once you were not a rookie, it was something. There was a very small window of even hours where there was a time that they could be tested, um, and they knew when that was each year. Um, essentially, I mean, it's it's known that it's going on, and you know, none of these places want to catch the athletes. At least um, not the stars. Looks, yeah. Yeah, it it looks bad on them. I mean, and and to a point, I mean, they, everybody knows it's happening. Um, it's just kind of uh, don't ask, don't tell. I've heard the same thing about the NFL that yeah. the the method of testing. I don't know if they use like testosterone to epi test ratios or whatever they're doing is so loose. Yeah. You know, that the guys could be using one or two ampules of testosterone a week or something, certainly enough to get some kind of performance or, you know, a physique advantage. Uh, but like Phil, like you're saying, is they're not necessarily, uh, you know, aggressively looking at the top money makers, their stars, to yeah. try to, to try to decide. I mean, I don't want to name any names, but the person I was looking at in, in the contracts, it was, I think it was a four-hour window one day out of the year that could be tested. And we, that we could, date was known. We could definitely spend, uh, you know, hours talking about uh, leagues and drug testing because there's, you know, there's there's ironies on both sides. The yeah. the other side of the equation is there have been uh, players um, and and college athletes and others who've tested positive um, for uh, something that uh, you know, is not something they intentionally ingested. Yeah. And uh, if they do test positive, it's typically a strict liability standard, which means you're responsible for whatever's in your body. So that even if you took a contaminated supplement product or if you took a cold remedy um, and didn't check it out with uh, with your league or with your school before you took it and you test positive, uh, you're suspended for that. Yeah. So there's 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 definitely issues when it when it comes to um, to drug testing and. A lot of uh, a lot of what I do um, is is representing um, individuals, obviously on on possession of steroids, sale or distribution or manufacturing of steroids. But I also represent many athletes on on these uh, doping tests, and I'm handling one right now for an NCAA athlete, a baseball player who um, took a supplement, and um, it it seems to have contained a small amount of a contaminant which caused him to test positive. And there have been some studies that have actually shown that um, a scary amount, a uh, percentage of of supplement products can be contaminated right, at, yep. at the cross-contamination level of manufacturing with uh, with something that would cause you to test positive for, uh, for a drug, for a banned substance. 
Right. Yeah, for sure. And I'll tell you what, too. I, I see a, a link between a lot of this stuff. Uh, I mean, I know we're talking about we're drifting into drug testing now, but just to go back to what something Rob has said twice and both times it caught my my ear was about how so, sometimes these things are, you know, overblown. Like, Rob, you mentioned alcohol or like you could use cigarettes or, or even other hormones like estrogen, something like that. Why are all those things okay? Why is booze and cigarettes, things that are, or, you know, other illicit drugs, um, you know, sometimes booze and alcohol, they're, they're considered okay, and yet they're destructive or recreational at best, where anabolic steroids are used oftentimes in a constructive way. So how can we possibly have such vitriol for the constructive medicine and not for the destructive medicine, at least when it comes to law? And I think yeah. the answer is that people like to drink, they like to get a buzz, and people like to have sex without the ramifications of pregnancy. So well, you know, politicians, like Rick was saying, you know, opportunistic politicians, they're not going to condemn things that the populace likes, even if they're vices. You know, but it's easy to condemn something like anabolic steroids because it's still sort of a uh, a quiet minority, and you know people are kept ignorant about the issue. You know, and so it's easy to single them out because they're not tens of thousands of voters. You know, well, and they've it, done it on the precedence of the big bad cheater. You know, is what it's really been built off. Yeah. Well, look at the people. I've literally been in a sports bar watching a UFC event on their big screen TV, and having some clown beside me. You know, who smokes, you know, two packs of cigarettes a day. He's going outside every five minutes to have a cigarette. And he's literally half in the bag. And, and you know, shouting things at the screen like, look at this ju juice bag. And he's all drugged up. And, and I'm just, it, it's amazing to me. It's like these, you know, these people who, it's like, do they, I, I feel like turn to these people and say, do you even have a clue what you're saying? Do you even, are you even aware of the hypocrisy of what you're saying? You know, it, it's just, it's amazing to well, me. You know, like Rick was just saying, you know, he's talking about uh, an NCAA athlete who's, you know, in trouble for ingesting a weight gainer or something because of contamination. And yet that same kid, he can go drink, you know. I don't think the NCAA has really strict rules. I think that's a team by team kind of thing, you know, about how much drinking is allowed in season or what have you. So, you know, wow. I don't know. It's, 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 again, we're back to legal versus ethical. You know, yeah, uh, I, I think one of the, you know, when you look at uh, all recreational drugs, or certainly all controlled substances, let's say, really the only one that has an ethical component is is, is anabolic steroids. You know, um, everything else, whether it's, it's cocaine or marijuana or LSD, those are all recreational, and I think the, the public kind of views it as, well, you know, um, maybe they need treatment. Uh, if they're selling it, well, then maybe they should go to jail. But there's no cheating aspect to it. Uh, I, I think that, um, you know, steroids are different than, than any of the others in the public's mind. I, I had the opportunity uh, maybe two years ago to speak to a, um, a, uh, a bunch of lawyers at a normal meeting um, for uh, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws on sort of the, the differences between steroids and marijuana in, um, in current America. And it, it, it's fascinating because this country is moving in a direction of increased tolerance toward marijuana. 
we are we are scaling back the war on marijuana um, and uh, in obviously we've got you know 15 states or something along those lines that have um, uh, are now allowing medical marijuana and there are dispensaries in states now and so there's there's more of a public acceptance of weed uh, mm-hmm. at the same time we are increasing our aggressiveness against anabolic steroids at the at the federal enforcement level uh, there are more steroid operations there are more um, people who are uh, being targeted for distribution of steroids and the public is in no way softening in their views about anabolic steroids and i think you know going kind of circling back to the beginning it, it really is in, in large measure how the media presents these issues and i think the media by presenting the the kids um, who take steroids and the cheaters who take steroids have sort of tarnished all steroid users with that same you know, unethical brush. And you've got politicians who love nothing more than to look hard on crime and, and tough on drugs. And mm-hmm. when you've got drugs, a combination of drugs and unethical cheating aspects, well, it, it, it's the perfect opportunity to pound your fist on the table and declare these things, you know, inherently un-American. Well, you know, Rick, I was about to ask you a question. You, you, you kind of answered it there because I was going to say to you, why do you think, you know, at, at, you know, from your vantage point of from the, the legalities, why do you think that they're pushing so hard? And, of course, my, my whole belief has always been kind of what you alluded to, the whole idea that, you know, such, such a relatively small, you know, segment of society is ever going to want to use them. It's so much easier, like you say, to you know, to wave the big flag of look at how hard we are against drug users and cheaters and so forth, um, you know, because obviously we saw how pro- prohibition worked, you know, that that didn't work at all. So, right. you know, it would be next to impossible to do that. So, um, so they go after these little kind of like you know little subculture, you know, uh, yeah, subculture, yeah, subcultures uh, that you politicians know. and the media uh, need boogeymen. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, steroid uh, users have had really no uh, ability to be represented. They, they have a, a weak or a non-existent lobby at best. And so um, it, it's a perfect, uh, a perfect whipping boy for politicians to look ethical and anti-drug. Right. And I'll tell you, if you look at the science, too, because, you know, obviously readers or listeners know that we have, you know, professors come on the show and this and that. And uh, uh, and I don't know. I think maybe Joey Antonio may have even uh, done a review along these lines once. But uh, there's actually scientific literature out there that even young and middle-aged men who do one or two, you know, let's say eight-week uh, periods or cycles or 12-week maybe of testosterone annually would actually have improved health, more bone density, less central body fat, you know, all the kinds of things that, you know, are sort of epidemic in this country. Uh, so in the face of that sort of thing, uh, yeah, it's almost like people don't even want to acknowledge that, you know, that like, oh, no, don't tell me the truth. Don't tell me the science. We, we need to go after this very small contingency because we can do it without repercussion, sort of. Well, I think sometimes we, we use the, um, our society tends to use the least responsible uh, person in a population as the barometer or the standard for uh, how to deal with the issue. So that um, you know, the, the obviously there's a difference between use and abuse of of any substance. You know, we could we could say alcohol will kill you. Well, that's 
I guess that's true. I mean, uh, depending on the circumstances. If you drink a glass of wine a night, might even be cardioprotective. Might not right. be bad for you, might even be good for you. If you drink four bottles of scotch every night, <laughs> your liver's going to rot out and you're going to die, and alcohol will kill you. And I think that, you know, when it comes to steroids, we sort of used that. Steroids will kill you based on the idea of the most uh, aggressive and ignorant and, and foolhardy and mentally ill uh, abuser right. um, who, is, who is, you know, clearly, you know, you can reach a point with any drug or substance where you're going to do harm to yourself. Right. You know, Rick, I, I see so many parallels, even how, and this is a whole number, another episode maybe we'll have you on for, but with even dietary supplements where things like creatine, people refer to it as a steroid or, or even protein, you know, some like the NCAA says, you know, a, a provided supplement can't be more than 30% protein and things like that. You know, I mean, this is starting to get kind of nutty. A chicken breast is probably 98% protein, you know, uh, and now, again, there are different reasons for that, but the point being, like Rick is saying, you know, you're talking about use Versus abuse, I love that kind of distinction because when it comes to like with dietary protein, you see the negative language even around something that innocuous is in excess or, you know, excessive. Well, anything in excess, including tap water, could kill you. That's right. And has, sure. You yeah, know, yeah, so yeah. I mean, anyway, so yeah, I, the use versus abuse thing I think is, is important or the word excess, I'll have just warn listeners that when you hear excess, you know, well, Anything in excess is bad for you, and I think Rick made a good point with the four bottles of scotch at night. <laughs> so, you know, uh, let, me, let me just throw something out there, and this might be pretty controversial, but what do you guys think about the whole idea that, you know, and I subscribe to it to a degree, the whole idea that a society, the government of a society, doesn't necessarily want its population to be too smart or too strong or too in the know. You know what I'm saying? Well, so, and, yeah. and the whole nature of the, the, the anabolic steroids is such that it, you know, it 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 presents a certain amount of a threat to uh, to authority. I think you know the idea that you might actually have you know a, a class of of athletes, men, whatever that you know that are you know quote unquote superior to other men. I don't know. Um, well, it's certainly. Uh, I think yeah. that the it, the things that are the usual, like uh, to use the word again, recreational. Uh, you know, and things that pacify uh, society are, are generally considered good things. But you know, we're talking about something here that's not pacifying at all. This is not an opiate of the masses. This is, uh, you know, uh, a, a tool used by a handful of people. Which, I mean, if you think about the guys back in the seventies, sixties, seventies, early stage bodybuilders, it's almost like these guys caught on to a secret. They realized that oh, this isn't going to kill me. I'm not going to go rage and, and rob a store and kill my grandmother or something. And you know, they built these amazing physiques. And at the time, the public wasn't as aware of it. You know what I mean? And but anyway, that's sort of another story. But the, yeah, the point being is, I think it's it's something that's not pacifying in some way or mollifying like uh, you know that like booze might be. Right. You know. So I agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think there are certainly uh, ev virtually every society in history has uh, had some type of mind-altering substance that the masses gravitate to, whether it was peyote or whether it was uh, mushrooms or or whatever. And in, in, in our society, uh, uh, booze is the one that we've chosen to be 
the the acceptable one um, and the you know other recreational drugs with the I guess exception of marijuana lately um, we decided that uh, those would be unacceptable right well I'll tell you what we are out of time here so what I want to do just quickly is first I want to thank you Rick for coming on thanks for educating us on this topic my pleasure uh, we, we need we need to get you on again Rick for sure yeah I, I, I think we should probably talk about the dietary supplement uh, industry and and issues and that kind of thing because it's almost like a junior steroid issue in some ways, sadly. Uh, but well, I'd, I'd love to be back on. Um, be, be happy to do it. Uh, I've got my uh, my big uh, uh, annual charity skydive coming up. I want to just give a shout out for anybody who's listening and would like to do something incredibly fun and wild. Come join me at Leap. Life.org. I like um, it. We, we, I don't know if you guys have ever done it. Um, I'd love to invite you guys to, uh, to join me. Uh, you can go to any drop zone, wherever you're located, um, and all the uh, proceeds will go to uh, Cancer Charity. That's awesome. Oh, wow. Cool. And lastly, I just wanted to make a little disclaimer, too. I think Mr. Collins wisely pointed out at the beginning, and listeners know our stance, we don't uh, endorse or condone the use of anabolic steroids or any other performance-enhancing drugs. We've certainly had guests on the show who, you know, they have different opinions on this topic, and in, in no way are we saying that these things are completely innocuous, and regardless of your age, you can just go dabble with this for cosmetic reasons or athletic reasons or any reasons. Uh, and again, this sounds like a, you know, uh, uh, cop-out disclaimer, but it, it's very true. We're talking about a, a fairly broad... Um, class of drugs, some of them certainly uh, more dangerous than others, depending on your circumstances. So just I, I think I think I think as a rule, I mean, we're we're anti ignorance is what we are. We're not saying do it, do it or don't do it. We're, what we're saying is if you're going to make a choice about it, make sure that your choice is steeped in some degree of knowledge. Right. You know, and, so and you know, the legal side is critical. Is power, gentlemen, knowledge is power. Yeah, sure. Right on, in- including uh, the legal issues. You know, that, that's an obvious thing that people need to seriously consider. So, okay. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Thanks a lot for being on with us, Rick. Very welcome. Thanks. It was a pleasure. Take care, everybody. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.